So my friend Brian Compton, now that we're through the trade deadline, almost feels like a, a fever-breaking reality hitting in. Islanders playing better, fin- looking to finish strong. What's your overall state of the team as it is right now? You know, Chris, I don't think it's as bad as a lot of the fans do. This has been a very frustrating year for the fan base, and I get it after back-to-back runs to the third round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But uh, this has been such a bizarre year between to start the season with a 13-game road trip and then getting crushed by COVID. You're finally seeing how good this team can be when they're firing on on all cylinders. So um, I think that's why you didn't see – a lot of activity or really any activity from Lou Lamorello at the trade deadline. They're, they're gearing up again uh, to try to go on another run next season. Well, this is Islander Sport Check presented by Instat Hockey, the Main Street Board Game Cafe in Huntington Village, and by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Today, we welcome back our friend Brian Compton, the Deputy Managing Editor at NHL.com, and has been one of the top reporters on the Islanders for a pretty freaking long time at this point like, <laughs> more than a decade it's crazy i don't know if i'm one of the top ones i am one but uh, no, you, you know you're consistently uh, <laughs> one of the top ones and and that Thank people you, go bro. to and, and and that's why i reached out to you this morning to to join us post trade deadline just starting to be around the team a little bit or at the games do you also uh get a a, a positive sense about the team, not that you know, it is imperfect. There will be adjustments made, um, but what's your sense around the club? Yeah, I mean, look, they're still upbeat. A devastating blow this morning, learning about Cal Clutterbuck and Scott Mayfield. Those are two crucial pieces to everything that they do, particularly on the penalty kill. Um, but there's still got, there's still a lot of guys who can play here, Chris. Um, I thought maybe. With a guy like Mayfield going down, it would create another opportunity for a guy like Robin Sallow. But Bridgeport is still very much in the playoff mix, and maybe it's better for him uh, to help the the. I was going to say Sound Tigers. <laughs> Getting used That's to that. Okay, for a I will always do. Yeah, that. yeah. I mean, you would say it's it's probably better for him to help them go on a, a playoff run and you know hopefully make the playoffs and get that playoff experience, even at the AHL level. Playoff experience is playoff experience, no matter where you are. So. Uh, we'll see how Robin does there, and we know that he's going to be a part of this team next season, so we'll see how that goes. For someone who tends to uh, almost legendarily keep his opinions, his views, his his um, his thoughts close to the vest, even though he's always uh, friendly to deal with, Lou Lamorello's press conference after the trade deadline I thought was you know, refreshingly candid and open. You know, it is rare for any GM to, in fact, it's been a mistake at times for GMs. I worked with some of them who would project as to what we might do. But Lou came out and, you know, he used the terms hockey traits. I appreciated the honesty. You know, I'm sure I'll take my crack at this, but can you help us interpret, you know, what he said and what's your take on it? Yeah, you know, there's only so much they can do, Chris. Um, for if I'm a guy like, I don't want to speculate, but if I'm a guy like Anthony Beauvillier, to me that says I better play well these last 20 games if I want to continue to be here long term. Because there's there's so many guys making a lot of money, as we know, and a lot of guys who control where they want to play. Um, and you know this as well as anybody, Chris. Once you get here, you don't want to leave. Um, Long Island had a bad reputation for a long time 
because as a visiting player, you would see Nassau Coliseum, you would see the Marriott, and you would think that 120 miles looks like that along Island. We know that's not the case. You go 10 minutes in any direction from, from that facility, uh, and it's pretty beautiful And no matter where you go. Um, and when you combine that with the success, you know, this year aside that the Islanders have had these past few years, uh, there are far worse places to play. Um, so we'll see what happens. But a guy like Anthony Beauvillier, I think, could be in play uh, come the NHL draft. Uh, Samuel Varlamov has one more year on his deal. Uh, Ilya Sorokin is, is solidifying himself more and more as the number one goalie here. So uh, there's only a few pieces here, but it'll, it'll certainly be interesting to see what Lou does here moving forward. It's funny you say that about the, the way players tend to love being part of the Islanders and on Long Island, because in the last few weeks, we've kind of had a run of former players join the show. There were some that I knew firsthand, like enjoyed their time here, right? But then, yeah. like, I had Marty Beer on, on Saturday, right before the trade deadline. This is a guy, and you, you'll remember this better than I do, right? But he wound up being a third goalie, and like, it, <laughs> the, the team was not good. And right. it was, it was, I don't think it was a, a positive time around the club. And yet he loved his time. He went on and on. He, he named all the veterans. Then he named all the young guys and going over to Caliposo's house. So uh, I'm glad you, you brought that up. Uh, that has really never been an issue here. People, people want to stay. Yeah. And the one issue forever was the building. Mm-hmm. And now that's been solidified. And every single guy that I've talked to in visiting markets got, just keeps saying, holy crap, this place is amazing. So uh, now that they have a state-of-the-art facility, uh, hopefully they'll be better again next year. Uh, and if, if Lou opens up some cap space, this is going to be an attraction for, for unrestricted free agents. Going back to Lou Lamorello's comments, I did, and, you know, all right, maybe I'm maybe being guilty of reading into them too much. But at one point when he started talking about conversations that were had, and conversations he expects to have in the offseason. I, I was sitting there thinking, Brian, oh, he talked to Phoenix about Chikrin because, like, what other teams would be engaged in those kind of conversations right now? They would have to be right. in, in those cases, not some of the others that we could talk about, playoff teams, but in those cases, they would have to be teams that are probably out of it now, or in the case of Jacob Chikrin, he's injured. Um, did you have any sense of that? I have, I mean, look, I have no, Lou Lamarell does not tell anybody Correct. anything, as you know. Um, I'd be floored if there have not been conversations between Lou Lamarello and Bill Armstrong about Jacob Chikrin, because let's face it, the Islanders need, I'm not going to say they need Jacob Chikrin, but they need somebody of that ilk. They, they miss Devontae's and Nick Letty so, so much over, over the course of this season. I mean, you, you trade Taze and you, and you go on a similar run. Uh, but then you lose those wheels that Nick Letty had, and it's visible night in and night out that the Islanders need another guy who can transport the puck out of their own end of the ice. Uh, Chikrin's the, the lefty that can fill that role. Um, the Islanders do have some pieces. I would think Bill Armstrong would like a guy like Anthony Beauvillier or maybe Josh Bailey. Uh, they have the cap space, right? And Bill's trying to change the culture there in Arizona. Josh Bailey would be a tremendous fit there. I'm not saying the Islanders should trade Josh Bailey. I know fans are going to jump all over me for this, but um, there there is a, a trade there to be made, I think, uh, if they can get all the pieces in place. Was his Lamarillo's comment about hockey trades, and it's possible he might want to redo that one, but I don't, you know, it, for, to come <laughs> right out and say that, 
but it seemed to be somewhat of an admission of reality of the system, that it's not deep in prospects and picks. Is that fair to say? I think it is. Uh, if you just look at what's gone on in Bridgeport this year, Chris, I mean, I, like I said earlier, I think Robin Salo could be a player in the NHL for a long time. Um, Samuel Bullock, I don't know what's going on with him. I thought he was going to be a really important piece of this organization moving forward. He's had a really, just looking at the numbers, I have not watched Bridgeport really for 10 seconds all season long, but if you look at the numbers by themselves, um, it looks like he's really struggled. Um and as far as the but the rest of the back end goes, there's not a whole lot left. I mean, but if if Bodie Wild has to be vaccinated, he's never going to play for the Islanders. We know that already. Um, and he it looks like he's struggled in Sweden too. So uh, as far as defensemen go, it's it's kind of bare. And then up front, Simon Holstrom has what eight goals in 56 games. Um, there, there's not. I know fans are going crazy over what William DeFore is doing, and hopefully he he pans out. But Chris, you know this as well as I do. You have a 20-year-old with that kind of size playing against 17, 18-year-olds who are still filling out their bodies. Um, It might play a role in why he's had so much success this year. And my last, I think, request for an interpretation. I'm actually asking you to do these things so I don't have to. Um, Or (laughs) so I don't have to get the the, the blowback. Um, No, this is all... uh, this is all actually positive stuff. I, I, I feel good about this team for next season and, and yeah. have. I, I have actually this season. It just it just went off the rails for right. really good reasons. Yep. Varlamov, Lou Lamorello, made a point of saying how important he is to this team. Uh, he didn't use words like luxury. He used words like he's a darn good goalie. Yeah, this, right. Yeah. And his help of, with Sorokin. But he also made a point of saying there was a lot of interest in him. Another somewhat unlu-like thing to say. So do you, I believe, I'll put it in my words, I believe those are conversations, again, that may have started now, and then whether it's a Washington or some unknown team that craps out in the first round of the playoffs or something like that and decides, or a team like New Jersey, and decides, yeah, we have to solve this goaltending problem once and for all, perhaps overpays, is that something we could see this summer? Yeah, you know, I've said this a lot, too, to, to Andrew Gross and, and Stefan Rosner and everybody I'm else. Sorry, like, I'm I, sorry, you, you go on, you talk to other people? I do talk. Well, I, this is like at the rink when we have oh, okay. a, a oh, I few you minutes. Meant, I thought you meant not, shows. No, 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 I'm only here for you, Chris. You <laughs> Thank know you. And Carver. Um, and the, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I just felt like, I feel like if you were going to trade Varley, it should have been a scenario where the Mets traded R.A. Dickey. You know what I mean? See, like, I'm not the probably, only one who brings up the Mets we, in this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I feel like if you're going to do that, you should have done it last summer mm. where the value was sky high. He's coming off back-to-back runs to, to the conference finals. Um, to do it now, you could probably still get a pretty high draft pick, I would think, on draft day, Chris. But you know this, it, over an 82-game season, you don't know what can happen. It's kind of a luxury. You, I, To me, you, you Barring what the return would be, you may as well keep him. He and Sorokin get along fantastically. Um, it, it, you don't know how many back-to-backs you're going to have. Barry Trotz has a history of rotating his goalie since since he got here. Um, so unless the return is massive, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Arley's back again next year. And my guess is that the return at the trade deadline was at most, and this is unfortunate. I think those teams would have been wrong. A second-round pick plus right. maybe another asset. And I right. agree. Like I, I, there's just 
I would agree to not move him on that. So, um, wow. I mean, thank you for all that interpretation. Is <laughs> on Bridgeport and draft picks, you know, a, a question that we were asked uh, for the show, and I'll try to address it later, is could there be some more accumulation of assets too before a trade? <sighs> I don't, I don't know. Again, Chris, I don't know how, I don't know how they do it. Um, you know, the guys that are here for the most part are, are here cause they want to be here. Um, and they can control where they want to go. Um, I think as far as the, the guys who are here that are, that are movable, it's, it's a select few. Um, and even a guy like Mayfield who, who will be back next year for sure. Um, whether it's here or somewhere else, I'm talking about his injury. Um, if you trade Scott Mayfield, you know this, Chris, uh, the, the, between the, his cap hit, which is very friendly, uh, and being a right-handed shot, those guys do not grow on trees. So if you trade Scott Mayfield, you got to replace him. Um, or for anybody, for that matter. I remember talking to Elliot Freeman about Nick Letty years ago. He says, if, and he said, he said this, if you trade Nick Letty, you know what you're looking for? Nick Letty. So you can move these right. guys and accumulate assets, but then what are you going to do come September? This is a team that's, that wants to go on another run, feels like they still have the core in place to do so. So they have to be careful what they do here. Over the, to Lou Pellegrino for the final question or two. I, I just really wanted to ask, because it's a question I've been dying to know. And, you know, you look at the draft picks over the years that the Islanders have had, whether it's Bailey, Opozo, Tavares, the guys that you know are pretty much can't miss, Barzell, Beauvillier, you know they're yeah. going to play at the NHL level. Does anybody in the Islanders' front office at least have a finger on the pulse of what is going on in Bridgeport? Because it just seems time and time again you have these guys who are drafted and the development is just not there. You look at a team like Tampa, Ray Ferraro and Darren Drager talked about this on their podcast, and they talked about Braden Point, fourth-round pick, Palat, sixth-round pick, Kalorn, fourth-round pick. They're able to get these fourth, fifth, sixth round guys, and all of a sudden they become these all world world talent. They don't cost a lot of money, and they're able to just replenish these guys if they do have cap issues and have to get rid of them. Look, they do have Stamkos, they do have Kucherov, and they do right. have you know the, one of the best, if not the best, goalie in the league. So and Hedman. So it's not like you know they're the um, you know the little sisters of the poor. They actually have talent, but. The development sometimes, I mean, if I hear the name Otto Koivula one more time, it's like, what, what's the deal with this guy? Can he play or can he not play? Because stop giving him a chance if he can't play. Yeah, you know, for me, Lou, the draft is a lot of, of dart throwing. You just, once you get past, I mean, this, to me, once you get past the fifth pick of the draft, you really don't know what you're getting. You just don't. And even sometimes sure. you swing and miss in the in the top three. Uh, ask the Atlanta Thrashers, right? Like, you just, you, you just don't know. Um Having said that, I think you want to be a team like the Penguins, who like who are, to me are like the Atlanta Braves of the NHL, yeah. right? Like no matter who goes down, they just find somebody from Wilkes-Barre Scranton who steps in, like a Jay Gensel a few years. Oh, back. don't even remind me about Gensel because Gensel, if you look at the draft that year, who picked right, right before Gensel was picked? I know the New York Islanders, and they missed him. I know um, Steph Curry to the Knicks. Oh, just missed. Having having said that, I think sometimes the Islanders do get a bad rap because a lot of the guys. Uh, who are on the team now did play in Bridgeport. Maybe not for years at a time, but, you know, Pelly played there, Anders Lee played there, Pollock played there, Mayfield played there. A lot of those guys did play there. Um, they just maybe accelerated in their development faster than other guys, and having 
you know, the change that they did bring in a guy like Barry Trotz, who has done wonders for so is Adam Pellick the same player without Barry Trotz? Probably not. Um, Brock Nelson, et cetera. So, um, yeah, they, they do need to develop guys better. Um, I'm curious to see if, if Bridgeport misses the playoffs, what they do there, because Rick Kowalski is their assistant coach, and I've known Rick for a long time. He's been an AHL coach of the year. Uh, do, do they finally make a change behind the bench there? We'll see. Um, but, yeah, they do have to uh, figure out a way to develop guys a little bit better for sure. This is fantastic. Brian Compton, NHL.com, longtime friend to our show and apparently about 47 other shows. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, thanks so much, Brian. hope you're doing well, man. Same to you guys. Thanks for having me. You got it. As always, great stuff from Brian Compton on the team. A lot of insights, a lot of really uh, direct views, and, and we appreciate that. He, he always brings it, so thanks to Comp. Main Street Board Game Cafe, Huntington Village on Long Island's North Shore. Games for sale and games for play, food and drink, beer and wine, fun and friends. They're located at 307 Main Street in Huntington Village. Go to MainStreetBoardGameCafe.com for more information. Main Street Board Game Cafe. Find your crowd, unplug your game. What we're going to do here for the second and final segment of Islanders 4Check is get to the questions that you sent to me either via email or Twitter over the last two weeks. My apologies. There were times where I said, you know, send them and we're going to answer them tonight. And then things happen and we didn't get to them. Uh, but we're just going to have some fun here with, I don't know, about five, six, seven questions uh, from Lou uh, relaying the questions that you asked. And I know we're going to try to do one more show before the end of season one where Lou and I uh, just answer a lot of the questions that you sent me about my time at the Islanders. Some <laughs> things we've addressed on the show over the last few months, but some really fun questions that you've asked me. So what do we got here, Lou? And thanks for doing this too. Yeah, no problem. First question comes from Doug. So after listening to Lou Lamarillo's presser about the deadline, uh, do you think he'll be able to make the hockey trades he says he needs to? Yeah, I think he'll make at least one, and and great job by Brian Compton, you know, spelling that out. It, it's you know we target uh, Beauvillier as an obvious choice. There could be, you know, even less obvious choices when you're when you're going to make a hockey trade. Chances are you're going to move somebody that the fans and that we do not want to see move. So uh, I believe there will be at least one of those to address the areas where they need, you know, he almost by saying, I, you know, we're going to need to make hockey trades was almost ruling out unrestricted free agency. There will be an unrestricted free agent or two or more, but I mean, in terms of the NHL level signed, but Lou, Lou would not have said that if he didn't know that he was on some path to at least one, that's my opinion. And I really thought it was telling he even showed his cards a little bit, and I appreciate that. I think he's he, he realizes the fans want to hear about some hope and for some reason, and that he's on it, and he did a great job after the trade deadline articulating that. So, you know, whether it's Chikrin, whether it's those players that become available that we don't know right now in March, on March 24th that are available, I do think he's going to make a move, Lou. I'm wondering if he might go to the Seattle Kraken and see if maybe he would be able to bring in somebody like a Yanni Gord or a, you know, a Tanev, Great somebody point. who can be that third-line guy but just has that extra gear that played in big games, knows how to win. Because I think Seattle, they're, they're looking to harvest. I think Vegas, too, want, are looking to harvest as many draft picks as they possibly can because Vegas really has nothing after the Eichel deal. 
they don't have any future. So maybe you could do a little wheeling and dealing with those two teams. Next question comes from Fluke. Does Bodie Wild, and we addressed this, does Bodie Wild have a future with the organization after declining the vaccination last summer? It's a fascinating question. And Brian Compton brought up Bodie. We didn't expect that. And Bodie Wild, and to uh, just to recap a little bit here, Bodie Wild, he admitted in an Instagram post uh, just by some of the things that he said that he was anti-vax, wasn't going to get it, and then he magically disappeared and was sent to Europe where he was never heard from again. Um, We're we're talking on this day and posting this show on the day where Mayor Eric Adams has come out and all of a sudden, you know, Kyrie Irving and Mets and Yankees who are unvaccinated no longer have that issue and are available to play. And oh, my God, I do not want to go down the vaccination rabbit hole. I'll keep those opinions to myself. Mm -hmm. But I kind of disagree with Brian because, you know, if he's if Brody Wild stays unvaccinated because Lou Lamorello has always, again, legendarily been a black and white rules guy. And if the world in New York and we can't project what's going to happen with the pandemic in the coming months or when next season starts. But if things are OK and if the rules announced today are in place. Lou might say he's entitled to play. And then it's then it becomes a hockey decision. Is he good enough to make Bridgeport? Is he good enough to make the Islanders? It doesn't look like his development came far this year or maybe even halted. But I'm not ready to say, unlike Brian did, who I will say has a better, uh, certainly is much closer to the team than I am these days. I'm just right. not ready to say that an unvaccinated Bodie Wild means he's doesn't have a place in North America in this organization. That's somewhat inconsistent with Lou. There's the rules that are his rules. Then the rules there are the rules of New York and Long Island. So let's see what happens there. But I'm I'm not I'm not saying he's going to stay in witness protection for open ended <laughs> or be moved or traded or whatever. We just don't know right now. I think eventually the world does get back to normal and whether you're vaccinated or not and whatever your beliefs are, that's up to you. That's your opinion. If Bodie Wilde does not want to get vaccinated, who am I to say, well, then I don't want him playing for the New York Islanders. If you can play, you can play. And we've seen it in the NFL with guys who have had very public off the field issues, yet they're still on their team. Why? Because you know that running back's going to get you 100 yards and two touchdowns a game and going to help you get to the playoffs and possibly a Super Bowl. If Bodie Wild can play, Lou will find a way to keep him around, and then when all the vac stuff is gone and the world gets back to normal, you'll see Bodie Wild in an Islander uniform. At least we hope, because the guy's supposedly a solid hockey player and can really make a difference. So it just depends if it's going to be as an Islander, but I, I think it will be. Question. Uh, next question is from Steve from Hewlett. Is Lou going to restock draft picks and prospect pool? You know, I, I wasn't going to ask Compton that, but then I saw it on the sheet that it was coming to me, mm-hmm. and I agree with Brian in that the only way you're going to be rest- the only way you're going to successfully restock, replenish make the darn thing better, let's use English here, is uh, by getting lucky with some later round picks. And right. we can't we can't project that, right? Every team has a scout. I was at the table where I knew one scout, I'm just using one example, where they, they just kept on, they knew Radek Martinek was going to be a good NHL player. 
they felt they could not use too early around pick and they literally sat there third fourth fifth i'm like hey buddy i won't say who it was but if you're so short at this point don't you think we just draft the guy well no we gotta wait so um every team has that sometimes you hit on them oftentimes mm -hmm. you don't it's always a, a good try and um, so that's what that's really going to be the only way he could do it because there aren't a lot of assets there, which are well well documented. Now, if the team gets back to being a contender next season, it's a, it's funny how the rest of your organization seems to all get better too. So um, it's just going to answer the question. It's going to take some time to do that. He's not going to be able to do that overnight or even in this offseason. His priority, Lou Lamarillo's priority, as it should be, is just the 2022-23 New York Islanders. I know we all get it. Mm -hmm. You look to the future. Sure. This is a very unique case where you got to get the team back on the tracks, and all eyes are on him to see if he does. All right, next question from JMS25. Will Lou extend Barry? His history of firing coaches worries me. Understood. Uh, I think we could all remember when we just see the news from the New Jersey Devils about somebody, a head coach being let go with a Robbie Fatorik comes to left, mind. Yeah, left in the season and yeah. surprise hirings and firings, many good ones. Obviously, he got it right with all those cups. Um, Lou seems annoyed when he's asked the question as if it's not people's business. Um, and I, I, I would ask that he reconsider that position because this is this generation's Al Arbor. No, he's not won the Stanley Cups. But what I mean is making the team better than we thought a coach could make it, to be completely blunt. Mm -hmm. Class, family... I don't mean Islanders family, his own, his his commitment to uh, being good and doing good things, his class with the media. This is a special case. So, you know, I would ask Mr. Lamorello to consider that when he is asked a question, it isn't, don't look at it, and he doesn't need advice from me, okay? But don't look at it as Andrew Gross being annoying or Kevin Kerr is trying to find something under a rock. Look at it is that the fans really, really want to know. And that's rare, right? <laughs> you can take just about any coach sure. in New York or anywhere yeah. within 300 miles of here, and teams don't care that much. It's something we care about. So we know uh, Barry is in the final year of his contract next season. We know that Lou might not ever announce, or they'll announce it after the fact that he's extended. Um, but I, I believe the decision will be in Barry Trotz's hands. But now there's the piece of this. Barry clearly loves it here, loves his team, says it publicly. I get all that. But if he goes into his last year of his contract, Barry Trotz will have options. And he will have many options. So we don't know. He will be offered another deal, in my opinion. But can we sit here and say without question that Barry Trotz will stay with the New York Islanders beyond that fifth, fifth season? That we just don't know. Is it likely? Sure. Would I put a little money on it? Sure. But let's not be naive here. And this isn't, I don't think it's probably any longer about money, but opportunity plus money. And he left the team 
rightfully so. He had his reasons to. He had the ability to after he won a Stanley Cup. So this isn't like he's somebody, I get it, he was at Nashville forever. But he has made his moves before. And when it's in his rights contractually to do that, that's an opportunity presented to him to consider. So we don't know. I think he will be offered a deal. We don't know 100% that he will take one or that he will be the coach beyond this fifth season. Perhaps we will learn more in the next six months. Yeah. Depending on how old the audience is that listens to this podcast, I don't think this is a Mike Keenan situation where, oh, there's a breach of contract after I won the cup, I'm leaving and I'm going to the St. Louis Blues for all this money. I don't think that's happening. The question I always ask when it comes to bringing back a coach or firing a coach, the question is, who are you going to replace him with? There is no other Barry Trotzes out there. It's sort of like what Brian said about Nick Letty. If you trade Nick Letty, you're looking for the next Nick Letty to bring in because those guys don't grow on trees. Trotz loves it here. I don't think Lamarillo is in a position that he's going to fire him to bring in a college coach or a lesser-known head no. coach. I don't think you're going to see Barry Melrose coaching the New York Islanders you know, because, oh, we could bring in Barry Melrose if Trotz, Trotz isn't going anywhere. Like you said, it's definitely going to be up to him. Let's go to our next I, question. I, 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 uh, one thing I just want to add to that is having won a cup, but you, when you see them talk separately, especially Lamorello, Lou Lamorello, the one gentleman he always has time for, he brings with him everywhere is Jacques Lemaire. And mm-hmm. and it seems pretty clear to anyone paying attention that that's what he has in Barry Trotz. So exactly. he's not looking to move away from Barry Trotz. You stole my thunder, you thunder stealer, because I was actually thinking that, and you read my mind, and then you said it, because he's uh, very see, loyal I, to I certain thought, guys. I thought you would have brought up some Met coach from... 24 years ago. So I, I didn't no, know God, we're not going to get into George <laughs> Bamberger or anything like that. How dare you, Frank Howard? Um, all right, let's go to our next question. Have another donut, <laughs> who, believe it or not, is one of my former coworkers when I worked at SiriusXM. What vacation spot would you recommend for the guys following Game 82 that will help them rid themselves of this season and get them energized for a rebound season next year? Well, this is, of course, you know, after Game 82. Uh, presumes that the team won't make the playoffs this year. So we, we just have to allow for those small percentage chances that there will be something beyond the game 82. Look, even the lowest paid Islanders in a different tax bracket and has resources and opportunities that I don't have. So nobody's going to take a recommendation from this team on me on where to go. It is true that when they go, golf is a big part of it. If they're smart, they don't Instagram photos of themselves playing golf because it just becomes too obvious, a hockey cliche. Mm -hmm. Um, But usually where they go, they're not going on this first postseason trip, after season trip, let's call it, uh, uh, for tourism sakes, right? They're going somewhere to relax. I went away, this this question from having another donut, inspired a a memory i went away with an islander player once once (laughs) and um the back i just it's just it's it's a little bit of a funny story in that the usually uh staffers don't have you know that close a relationship this was a unique case where this is a long time ago this is when i'm in my early to mid-20s and a player is around the same age and the general manager I'll admit it was Bill Torrey, 
actually asked me to um, like befriend this player. He, he somebody who required in the trade, and there were some questions about him, and there was uh, kind of a, a, a guy who kept to himself. And we did become friends, and still are to this day. But when my friends in the rest of my life heard I was going, they were just like, really? You're going away with him? Blah, blah. And I was like, oh, we're just going to an island for three or four days, Nassau, Bahamas. And you'd think you'd have I, enough of Nassau. No, I'm kidding. And, you're funny. You know, you're right. The island and the place on, uh, Long, on Long Island and the island. What's incredible to believe, and it's the reason why I never did again, not that I was asked often or whatever, but the trip ended with this player bless his heart we've all as you i think possibly you have even too lou uh, all grown up through the years but when i went away with him i actually it was i had a, a back disc problem and i was just moving a little slowly which is pathetic for somebody so young at the age but it happens right and <laughs> the guy uh we went to a, a bar with him and two of his friends and then we left the bar, and he got us in the middle of a, a brawl. <laughs> like, oh, boy. Uh, and he does a little too much. little, um, you know, somebody I think might have identified him as somebody who played in some major league. And we wound up having to kind of like do our best part, uh, however, sadly, pathetically, to help him from not having a lot of people hit him and oh boy and all i could think of is like <laughs> what are my friends thinking when they they're going to hear this so awkward moment unfortunate moment lesson learned from all of us still a, a good friend we've all like we've all like i said we've all grown from that but the one time i went away it ended with me in the parking lot with two other guys um trying to ward off about a dozen people from beating the ever living hell out of this wow. out of this player. So life moves on and we all can laugh about it. Now nobody got seriously hurt. I wound up having back surgery, but not I don't think because of that. But that added to my irritation at the time, as you can imagine, with my friend. <laughs> but um yeah, so that the one time let it be a lesson to you good PR folks out there and young ones who wind up maybe connecting with a teammate. Cause so again, the guy was my age. This is back when I, I was their age. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you shouldn't mingle to that level, but, uh, it's, it was a friendship that was mutually beneficial and remains so to this day until he wow. hears this podcast. <laughs> glad you, glad you left names out. Okay. So, uh, we have one more, I have another question. Uh, Stacy asks will lou allow fisher the fisherman jersey for a game ever will ownership want to bring it back was that been asked us a bunch lately after you know there were some rumors on twitter and forgive me i don't um the, the the who had the original tweet saying that it was like definitely happening it wasn't a newsday it wasn't the athletic it wasn't right. a sports business journal but uh so there are rumors out there what i've said to this Show, wanting to show as much respect to Lamorello as possible is that the owner, Scott Malkin, his business is actually this kind of thing. He is in uh, Europe, uh, oversees these beautiful uh, shopping areas. I'm sure they have fancier names for them than what I just called them. And <laughs> there's a reason why the Isles Lab 
uh, I get it. The prices are high for a lot of items, but if you've been in the Isles Lab at UBS Arena, it's a it's a unique, distinctive, beautiful team store. It's not your everyday team store, even in 2022 with all these great stadiums and arenas out there. And my response to this one is, although uh, Lou Lamorello as president and GM has a lot of say, famously has a lot of say in every area, and he'll have his reasons for things. This is one that if your owner, the, the person who's really driving this and Lou cites Scott Malkin all the time, I would defer to him. What we know is that this fisherman jersey and the fisherman logo, the fisherman itself, is all over the place at the team store and online, and they are selling it. If you're going to sell it that much, that would lead me to believe that you probably will wear it sometime. That seems like common sense to me. No guarantees there. But my, and I don't have a strong position on this. I know everybody does. Mine is let Scott Malkin and the people who do those kind of things, in this case, consumer products, apparel, that sort of thing, let them make that decision based on their data, based on their surveying. That's all. You know, if I could just jump in for a second with this, because oh, I never of... imagined that you would. Because <laughs> well, right, of course, exactly. you're going to jump in on this. But I, you know why? Because I've I've gone back and forth with this. Look, I was at the game against the Philadelphia Flyers, where I believe they might have even called it Heritage Night, where Steve Webb skated to center ice and ripped the fisherman jersey off, Very even good. if it had the Islander logo on there. He took it off, and the PA announcer said, "A promise, no more silly logos." I understand that Islander fans of a younger age think it's cool, think it's different. The color scheme is cool. I don't like the sea blue. If they took the sea blue out and went with like that silver, navy, orange, and, and white, yeah, maybe. But my thing is, and I don't want to go on too long about this, but my thing is, for me as an Islander fan, those years were so bad. And the fact that it gave Ranger fans so much ammunition, I mean, this was, you know, almost like 1940 times 10, the way Islander fans used to give it to Ranger fans, and Ranger fans, rightfully so, had something now besides Potvin sucks to give right into Islander fans' faces with the changing of the crest and this legendary logo that won four Stanley Cups in four straight years. And then this Fisherman logo comes out of nowhere because they wanted to change the marketing and the, and the color scheme and hopefully make a jersey that was a little bit more appealing for people to buy. And in my head, all I keep thinking about is Wade Flaherty and Net, a Saturday afternoon game, overtime loss to the Carolina Hurricanes, 10 straight losses. And the losses mounted and mounted and mounted years after that. Then finally, they put in the request that on select nights, they could have the circular original logo on the, old, on the, on the Fisherman jersey. Then finally, they did away with the fishermen altogether, and that logo, the circular irregular crest came back. And it was almost like, okay, thank God. But the We Want Fish Sticks chant was still there. The, you know, the crooked numbers and the crooked, swooping, wavy name on the back. I'm all for throwbacks. I love when teams in the NFL and Major League Baseball wear their throwbacks. Even hockey, when the Carolina Hurricanes wear the, the Hartford Whalers uniform, I think it's fantastic. I think if Islander fans of a younger age knew exactly how dreadful those years were and the pain that Islander fans of my age group and your age group sit there, Chris, and look at it and go, oh, my God, please, those are the dark ages. We don't want to think about those. They were so bad. But you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, the fact that this young Islander fan base is really excited for it, 
And if they win in these uniforms, bring them back 75 games. I don't care if they go if they go 40, 10, and 5 in, you know, 55 games wearing those uniforms. Great, great go ahead, bring them back. So, like, I kind of want to see it just to see it and experience it. I'm not like, you know, no, never again. I used to be that way. But now I'm starting to warm up to it. Like, you know what? They put a good team out on the ice. They went to two straight conference finals. Let them wear it. See what happens. It's For me... I liked it better than the black and white jerseys that they wore on Saturdays on those select nights, you know, or the the pumpkin uniform with like you know the, the orange top and mm-hmm. the, the white on the bottom, uh, the blue and white on the bottom. I mean, so I don't know, Chris. I don't know how you feel about it. I mean, I think I know how you feel about it, but for me, You're- I'm kind of like I'm kind of like seventy thirty. Like, don't do it, do it. I used to be one hundred percent not, and now it's gotten maybe down to sixty forty. Your ability to remember stuff is just extraordinary. <laughs> I forgot about the web thing. I was part of those meetings. and He was wearing Scott Lachance's jersey, too, because Lachance was supposed to do it because I think he was the longest-tenured Islander at that point. Wow. And, Jesus, and then Webb right. came out. You are, that's all correct. I'm just having flashbacks. I was there, and, and thank you, uh, Steve, for doing that. Um, <laughs> what, 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 listening to you speak, it, and I know every team thinks they're the center of the universe, but I really do think this is unique in that, and this might be a reason to not wear it. If they wear it for one game next season, let's say, or now they're going to at least wear it one game, it's going to be the storyline of that game. I, I, I Isn't that saw... amazing? And I don't know if there's any... I don't know if there's any, I, you'd have to go through every sport. I, you know, even the Mets for all their changes and like, mm-hmm. but I think for that game, it would be in the headline of Ethan's story in the New York Post and, and yeah. Kevin's story in the athletic and Andrews and news. And that's kind of hard to believe. And that actually is ammunition for a traditionalist like Lou Lamarell to be like, we can't do this because it's all anybody's going to fucking talk about. Right. Right. And so I'll, and I'll tell that you, is yeah. interesting. Yeah, and I'll tell yeah. you what the other, the other thing, there are clips. I watch hockey clips every once in a while on YouTube when I have downtime and on weekends when I'm, you know, waiting for my wife to put her makeup on so we can go out. And there's a clip of like Steve Levy doing an ESPN broadcast with two little kids wearing the Islanders Fisherman logos, the white and the blue. And they're talking about tomorrow night, you know, the Dallas Stars are in town to play the New York Islanders. The Islanders unveil their fisherman jersey. This is the new uniform. And I'm like, oh, my God, ESPN even did like an in-game segment about the Islanders changing their uniform with two ki- I was like, oh, boy. And, you know, but I just, it kicks up a lot of bad memories. I have friends that are like, never again. Don't do it. It would be awful. And then you see the younger younger breed of fan on Twitter, and they're all like, bring it back. What's the big deal? It's not, it's a uniform. It's the guys in the uniform. And I'm like, okay. Brings back a lot of bad memories. <laughs> Let, let's let's end the the show with this, and we'll hold off on on any final questions for our second edition of, of the the Q and A. Uh, I've referred to this. I'll hold this up for you to see. Maybe we can capture oh, this. Oh man! Maybe we can capture this in a video. My mom, bless her heart, was cleaning out. Oh, not cleaning out. She she kept this stuff sacred uh not just this but also a lot of great things i have a memo here from i got i got me bob nystrom and and jill knee were promoted and she has the memo from like 1989 (laughs) and and my name so look i mean you talk about things that will go on your tombstone is you know my name is on there i think it's okay that the phone number is on there uh ginger killian who i've mentioned on 
the show a couple of times is uh was and, and remains one of my dearest friends and it's it's something we will always live with and i'll just just want to read just little portions of it it's june 22nd 1995 and i know this breaks all the rules of radio and everything to do reading but i'm just going to just a couple of highlights the new york islanders today unveil the new logo and uniform design Islanders co-chairman Robert Rosenthal and Steve Walsh introduced the club's first design change in 23 years at a news conference at Nassau Coliseum. All these years later, and I write a lot of press releases for my clients, that reference to 23 years seems to like, it's like a desperate way of trying to make a point that we haven't changed this thing in 23 years. I don't know how subtle that is. Here's the quote from Steve Walsh. Over the last, and this is where teams get themselves in trouble because they want to make the case. Over the last three years, our organization has made many positive changes and the increased attendance and enthusiasm in the stands shows that our fans have responded, said Walsh. Although putting out a championship team will always be our top priority, this new look is another part of our plan to keep the Islanders a fresh and exciting franchise. Um, maybe I'll come back to that some more, but that was the, um, the cell there. It goes into who made it. Um, the company that worked on it worked on logos of the Florida Panthers, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Jaguars, I can't say that word. Jaguars. And and the Toronto Raptors. The design team is headed by SME partner, Ed O'Hara, lovely guy. Uh, it says here, I, I said a lovely guy, back to the press release, a lifelong Islander fan who grew up in Huntington Bay. The club also announced, I believe I referred to this on the shows. I'll end with this. This was, again, trying too hard because word had already gotten out. The club also <laughs> announced it would begin fundraising efforts on behalf of the East Hampton Baymans Association, which fights to preserve an industry and way of life that helped build Long Island. Now, I want to be really clear here. Those people at the Baymans Association are awesome, and fishing is a way of life, and all this stuff is important. However, when you have to bring in this kind of initiative and bring in yeah. people as we did to the press conference, that again shows that you're being way defensive. So we went. I went down that hole. Go ahead, Lou. I'll have a final I- word before we say goodbye. I was just going to say this brings back so many memories that now my brain is going into overdrive. We definitely need to do another episode where it's almost like Islander gimmicks that did not pass. Because I remember during the Gluckstern regime, they handed out T-shirts. It was the four Stanley Cup banners, and then they had a fifth one, and it said, coming soon. Oh, boy. And then there was another one. We had the new Ice Age. The new, oh, that that was that was under Trotz and and Tory and and Darcy Regeer and I remember that was the ninety two ninety three playoffs. That was the motto for that season because it was on the ice, right at the blue line. The new ice age. I still remember that. Well, let's, but, well, let's do that show. Let's definitely do it because the other thing that I remember because I actually met Steve Gluckstern after a game and he signed my shirt, and <laughs> it was like. The, like a definition of the Islander fan. It was just a plain white shirt and it said Islander fan. And then there was like a reference to like, you know, hearing the bad words said by Ranger fan, having to endure the foul language from Ranger fans. I guarantee you there are Islander fans that listen to this podcast. If you, po- if you post it, post it on Instagram or Twitter because I definitely want to see it and you could tag me. It's Lou at Lou underscore Pellegrino, L-O-U-P-E-L-L-E-G-R-I-N-O. 
I guarantee you there's an Islander fan out there that has this. It was an Islander t-shirt. It was a plain white t-shirt. I think it had the old logo, the, the, the crest, the Islanders logo, the circular one, the original. And it had a definition on it of like what it means to be or what it, what it is to be an Islander fan or just an Islander fan. Oh, God. And I just remember these things going like, Oh, are they really doing this? That's fantastic. <laughs> that's for another I, episode. I, you're gonna, I, I, you would think I would remember them all, but that's one that that I don't remember. So I just, will... I'm afraid that I'm afraid that I'm gonna like not to get get you in trouble, but I just like I'm gonna bring up something. Ah. You're gonna go. I can't even talk about that. <laughs> no, I've said when we do that show, I'll I'll answer almost everything, if not everything. So people say, hey, why do I write a book? Those days have long past. I'm not looking to. You're, expose any skeletons or anything like that this is hockey right. this is right. fun and uh i believe that i could do that and be informative but more importantly entertaining to try to do that so we only have about a week or so left to season one of hockey press pass uh, uh, slash islanders four check we're going to do our best to finish strong we have some great guests coming up on both the islanders four check side and the hockey press pass side our thanks to brian compton for his work today my eternal thanks to Lou Pellegrino for helping us finish strong here this season in these final weeks. And most of all, I mean, my thanks to the fans. The response continues to be incredible, beyond my expectations, way beyond. Uh, you've given me a lot to think about, about what a season two looks like in September or October. Uh, but we're going to take the next couple of weeks to decide what that looks like. But stay tuned for some final episodes of Islanders 4 Check and Hockey Press Pass. We will see you very soon.